Last night, last night I had a dream. I had a dream that I beat up T Grizzly. And then he sent a hit out for me and Jalen. And uh, I was on the run. And the way I was able to get away is I was able to move telepathically. It was like instant transmission from Dragon Ball Z. Now the reality is, is that this was definitely a dream because I can't move like that. And I probably would never dare to you know, fight T Grizzly because he probably really would put a hit out on my head. And that would be extremely terrifying. I wouldn't even be able to move within my own home state. Uh, that'd be extremely terrifying. But if I could move instant through instant transmission, I'd be able to be with you, Ruin, in Europe at any time I want. That would, right? freaking, that would be freaking sweet. You got to get that teleportation down. But, Heem, you know a lot of people, like, in high school, they kind of get rushed into college. They don't really know what they want to do. You know, society's telling them, go this direction, study this, maybe business. But a lot of time, people have no idea what the hell they want to be, right? Now, what if, during that period, you could go travel? You could go be adventurous. You could go meet new people. You can serve. You can give to others. And as we all know, it feels pretty good to do that, don't it? Now, say, huh? I was going to say, absolutely, man. Um, I think if, if anyone was given that opportunity fresh out of high school, they'd have the chance to really find themselves. Because one of the craziest things in this world is that society expects you to know exactly what you want to do at 18 years old for the rest of your life. That's absurd. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. And the amount of debt, you know, college, these crappy degrees. And a lot of people, if they're not getting a scholarship in the States, you're paying 20 to 50 grand a semester for everything included. But also, a lot of the times, so you get plugged into college, you go through your classes, you know, you work hard. And then right after, you're supposed to get a, uh, a job. Go, you know, pay your debts back, a nine to five, go sit in a cubicle. But what if also, after that, you could say, hey, a lot of Europeans do this. A lot of people, they travel for like six months, a year, backpacking, after school, and experience the world. Go find themselves. You know, you got to pay your debts, and, and there's money, but there's something to say about traveling and experiences. Man, he, does this sound like a dream? Like, could you travel this and not? What if it wasn't that much money either? Man, you know, to be honest, it definitely sounds like a dream because I've never left the United States. Uh, I have no idea what it feels like to leave the to leave America, but I could only imagine the opportunity uh, that it would give me to learn, man. Because there's just so much, there's so much to learn out there to know to to just open yourself up to that. A lot of us close ourselves in, you know. A lot of us just stay within our own comfort zone of our own city. You know, I've done a decent job of moving state to state and making moves and whatnot, uh, but I haven't even got to experience a quarter of the world, man. I've been locked into America. Team, you would never guess, but the guy on the other side of the Skype, he does this. He's a leader for an organization, Youth with the Mission, and he's going to plug you guys on how you can travel the world, serve people, live a fulfilling life for almost nothing. Paris Burrell, man, he's a he's a Rochester boy. We met him. Uh, RCTC played ball together. He was formerly from Wyzetta, grew up in Wyzetta. But man, Paris was a guy that always got me booze. He was older in RCTC. We had some some wild times. You know, we were troublemakers. But also, I came across a video of him on the Facebook doing some crazy healing dance in Prague. And I'm like, yo, I was just in Prague. Like, what are you doing? And we started talking and. The guy's a totally different person, and he's got something sweet for you guys, and we're so excited to have him on. Paris, how are you doing, man? 
Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's nice seeing you guys again. It's been a long time, probably about four years since I've seen the two of you. And man, it's crazy to see just how our paths continue to cross. And it's been such a, an amazing time. Um, as Nick mentioned, I've been working with this organization, um, which I'm actually, I work full time as a volunteer with this organization called Youth with a Mission. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of tell you guys a little bit more about what Youth with a Mission is, what it stands for, um, and just the huge benefit that it has on individuals and the way that it grows us and the way that it helps us to find ourselves, but how it actually allows us to really uh, move forward and help others and to not live our life just for ourselves, but for others as well. Fun fact, Paris is in Prague right now and beer is cheaper than water. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> off of that, um, Youth with a Mission, what it stands for, it's actually a faith-based organization. And so it's actually Christianity. Um, and so it's a, a multi-denominational organization where it's focused on missions. It's actually the biggest missions movement ever. And they're in over 180 nations and there's over a thousand campuses worldwide. And I'm currently in one in Prague in the Czech Republic. Um, I've before that, I was actually in Australia, in Brisbane, Australia, and that's where I did my training in my school. Um, and to be honest, my brother is in Mexico right now doing his training school as well. And it's all over the world, all over Minnesota, or, or all over, I guess, the states in Minnesota, um, and just worldwide. All right, listen, boss, I have a question for you. Now, before I even ask this question, I just want to congratulate you, man, on your growth. Because as Rooney said, man, you know, the Paris Burrell that I knew, man, I mean, you were just, it's not that you were never a bad guy by any means, not even close. You were just not this, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mature? Is it that? Like, you really taken, like, a, a leap forward, leader. Man. You're a leader. You're, you're a serious leader. I mean, no disrespect, at one point in time, you were my coach, and you were, like, my favorite coach because you let me get away with stuff, right? I feel like you wouldn't let people get away with stuff, though, now. You know what I mean? Your mindset is different. You're all about doing the right thing, brother. So I just want to congratulate you and your brother as well on the experience that you guys are having here. It's a great opportunity, man, serving others. That's what life is all about. Yeah, so Paris, what exactly goes on with this? How do people get involved? What difference has it made? Kind of really dig into the to the meat of this thing. It's obviously changed your life. We've had talks, and it sounds like it's changed you. Yeah, for sure, Nick. It definitely has changed me, and I've gotten to witness it change hundreds of people's lives throughout my time being in it. Um, but what it, what it is and how you get involved with it, uh, there's this course that it runs, which why YWAM Youth with a Mission is actually an accredited college and that you can actually get a college degree through Youth with a Mission. And it's all, again, faith-based and um, in a lot of different countries around the world. Um, but how you get involved, there's this school. It's a six-month school, usually around six months, and it's called a Discipleship Training School. And you come to the location that you decide to do it, where I did mine in Brisbane, Australia. And it's six months of um, just being taught a lot of different things, specifically biblical principles and kind of having an opportunity for self-healing um, and understanding of what missions are and how to actually really do it with the whole heart. Um, and I think that's a huge thing that even in it I learned um, because a lot of the things that you do when you volunteer, you're doing it for free. And there's such a huge difference in doing something out of the kindness of your heart and doing it because you actually care for people compared to getting paid for it. Um, and so, so many different opportunities that I've had is to just genuinely serve and care for people. 
Man, I love that, man. I love how you ended that. It's about genuinely serving and just caring for people. But I have a legitimate question for you, Paris, that I would ask anybody this who goes out on missions. Now, is it about spreading the gospel or is it about building character or a little bit of both? To be honest, I think that even in missions, which this organization does a really good job of equipping, especially young people, um, with what the heart of missions really looks like. And it's the combination of a lot of different things, team. Um, and to be honest, one of the biggest things that Jesus actually talks about in the Bible is I want you to be known by the way that you love people. And that oftentimes in missions, uh, there's a lot of different things that happen negatively, specifically with the name of Jesus, because people are kind of going to try to change people and try to enforce um, their way of life or their culture and saying that this is right and this is the way that it needs to be done. Whereas missions is actually coming and living life with people and actually sharing and genuinely loving people, not because of them being converted or anything other than just genuinely wanting to, to show and display true love. That's a great. You put that really well. But hey, money talks. So how were people really able to, to do this, to handle it? People got to pay debt. People got to pay school. Um, you know, how did you go about doing this with not a huge bankroll? I mean, I know you're from Rochester. It's not like you're, you're swimming in, in cash. Yeah, you're right, Nick. Definitely was not swimming in cash for sure. And that's kind of the cool thing with this organization as well um, is that because it's faith-based and because you're going and doing missions, that it's an opportunity to partner with people back home that actually believe in the cause that you're doing. For example, like I'm kind of my own product and it's about not selling myself of trying to convince people of giving me money, but it's an opportunity of, hey, this is what my heart is and I genuinely care for people and you guys are working full time and you actually can't travel or to go and um, serve people the way that you desire to, but you can actually help me to do that and be a part of my journey together that I get to kind of be the hands and feet and that you get to support and partner with that. Okay, man, I want to say something right quick and piggybacking off of what Nick said, you know, even though this is all about loving people and serving others, money talks, brother. So what I'm going to ask you is this, when you go on these missions and you come across probably a lot of people who are much less fortunate than you, how do you, aside from teaching them or trying to emphasize the message of loving one another, how do you help them out of their extremely unfortunate situation? For sure. And I think that's a big thing, even in missions that um, it's, it's supposed to be actually a really practical thing. Um, it's not supposed to just go and Jesus heals. Jesus is everything, which Jesus um, is our faith and he's what we believe in. But it's also he's asked us to do the practical sides of it. And so in my time, specifically in Australia and I was in the Philippines as well, but specifically in Australia, we would go around to country towns and we just would serve people um, and practically display love. There's a woman that I met named Andrea and my team and uh, went to her house because she just recently got diagnosed with a, a disease where she couldn't actually walk anymore or is a really challenging to walk. And she lived on this farm um, and we got to come and actually for the for a whole, I think, three or four days, we got to come and help her with things that she would normally be able to do, but she was no longer able to do, like helping her clean her house, helping her do yard work around um, her giant farm and doing just practical things not to be like, oh, like we can't really like you just need Jesus, but actually showing and displaying that love. And specifically in the Philippines, um, when I was able to be there, a big part of what we got to do 
um, was just being available for them. And that's a place that has so much lack. And um, we were actually staying in the slums. And it wasn't just about getting up and sharing these messages, but actually living life with them um, and giving them different tools, whether it's with building things or um, just <laughs> uh, even helping with resources or different techniques and doing things, being able to help um, with where they're at, not trying to change where they're at, but um, change where they're at in the way of saying that you need to have a first world mindset, but being able to give practical school skills and help practically um, to better them with where they're at. That's awesome, Paris, man. Um, now, before we get into your story, um, let's save that for a little later because it's very powerful, I believe. Um, we were talking beforehand about this traveling yeah. and you know, how cliche it is. It opens your mind and you find yourself and, and all that. But can you really dive into Philippines? Uh, um, Australia, the Europe, and these adventures and, and serving other people, like, what has it done to your spirit? What has it done to your, your mental being? And, and how, like, good overall do you feel because of it? Um, I think even the biggest thing with that is um, being a boy from Minnesota, <laughs> you actually get to see how big the world really is. Um, and uh, even once you get a, an opportunity to even travel outside of the America, specifically because America actually usually has a pretty bad rep around the world because of our arrogance and our pride. Um, nothing against Americans, because, I, I mean, I am an American. Hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Success breeds jealousy. Being the top dog is lonely up here. <laughs> but it's not Wait, even... Kidding. Only half kidding. It's not like the su success aspect, but more of... Because, to be honest, America's kind of in a bubble. Because we have... We have so many, like we have so many different cultures within America, with the fifty states, that we don't really have to interact with the world. Like the the world has to interact with each other, and like we have the World Cup and all these national events that happen. That all these different nations are constantly interacting with different cultures and constantly having to kind of work around different upbringings or different cultural differences to be able to. Um, understand each other better and being able to be willing to learn not knowing everything but actually being willing to learn more and so being able to travel um one of the biggest things that i've learned or what how i've grown um is not that being an american is bad by any means because i don't definitely love my country but it's been an opportunity to kind of get out of the american bubble and see all the differences that are going on and happening throughout the world and being able to kind of be integrated into that in a more um i guess a larger way ah oh, man you just said something that really um hit me nick america's in a bubble um, or is that, is that your peers? I, I just lost one. Listen, America's in a bubble and I love our country, but I believe we're in trouble. And I'll tell you why, because a lot of other countries, the simple fact that people from the Middle East, such as countries of Lebanon, Iran, and you got China, right? You got all these other countries. Not only do they speak their native language, they're also fluent in English. And I think it's extremely concerning that that is not emphasized here in America. So you're talking about us being in our bubble. We have all of these cultures here within America, but a lot of these cultures are Americanized, right? And, and here we have America where we just think that we know it all. However, other countries have an idea for how we speak, how our, you know, how our system goes, but they also have their own identity. And I can see it in the long run really paying off, you know, um, I don't know, man. I think I think we need a change here in America. I think it starts within the education system. 
I think with that team as well, um, all the other cultures, something that I've really noticed is that they just really have a, a eagerness to learn. And even looking at, I've met so many, like in this organization, I've been a part of um, different teams with Europeans, with Islanders, with people from all over the world. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that they have this willingness to learn. Not that we don't, but um, even in their teaching and in their schooling, like they learn so much about all history around the world, not just their nation's history or not just a specific history, but they have this willingness to want to learn new cultures and not um, learn to like be superior but more so because they actually see what other people are doing that are working and they want to actually perfect that to apply it to what they're doing as well and continue to grow from their teachability hey heem uno dos tres come on i know all these languages skull and talk danish but no man it, it's so freaking true you're, you're in denmark here i am and uh the native uh it's danish but they all speak english and you're right it seems like when we're over here and Everyone wants to learn, and they're traveling all over Europe. Everyone in Europe travels around Europe. It's crazy. Yeah. And they get six months paid vacation here in, in Denmark, which is bananas. But, no, I 100% agree. A lot of eagerness. And, and I don't know about you guys, but in school, I was not interested in history, the, the history books and stuff. And also, I get out of school, I'm fascinated. Roman history, I love it. Everywhere I go to, me and Paris are talking about uh, Prague and all the buildings and how cliche it is that the, the buildings are three times lower than our country. But – you know, studying history and learning about the, you know, the great people of society or of history and what they've done and, and how they've created things. You can learn a lot from the past. But, hey, Paris, how do we get a part of this youth with the mission? You know, tell the people that are just getting out of high school or, or want to get out for six months a year. How can they join this movement? Because it's big. It's, isn't it the biggest one in the world, too? Yeah. Um, and with that, I, I'll touch, touch a little more on the financial part of it as well, because I kind of we briefly skimmed over that. But just to go back to it. Um, with the courses, um, they're six months long, and then after that, there's a, a lot of different secondary schools that you can do within the core or within the organization um, that are all over the world again. Um, but with the the payment, it's six months, and it's really relatively cheap. And when you apply for the school, which I'll talk about in a moment, how you can apply for these different schools and how you can even get more information, um, it's six months long. And when you uh, give your your fees for the school, it pays for your um, your food, your accommodation, and basically all your living things that you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about making your own food. A lot of the times, you don't have to worry about where you're going to lay your head at night, and um, that you have a lot of those things um, through the payment of the six-month plan, and it's um, a lot cheaper than you would actually pay when you're paying monthly rent in the States. Um, and so that's a huge benefit where you don't have to worry about a lot of the, the things that we do worry about with, like, one of the biggest things is, man, I'm busy all, all day long, the whole entire day, and I have to try to make these meals, otherwise I'm going to fast food and I'm spending all this money. But being able to focus on your craft and focus on what you're learning and what you're growing in and being able to not have to worry about all these different things that you would normally um, spend so much time focusing on. Um, but how to get involved with this, again, it's all over the world, um, but you can go to the website youthwithamissionywam.org and you can find out more specifically of the heart of Youth with a Mission, how it was developed and how it was created. Um, and again, this organization is actually completely and fully nonprofit. And so the 
the person that actually created it, um, that founded this whole entire movement, they don't get paid. All the people, the leaders, the the people that are in these campuses that serve, they're all full-time volunteers. And so everybody has to pay their way. And whether it's they're getting sponsored or support from churches or from family, or even if they're spending time working and um, saving money before they go over and do these trips or do um, these different things with the organization. Sorry to cut you out, Paris. Um, you know, when someone's selling you something, sometimes they, they go over all these parts and skim it and they don't say the price. You know, you're about to allude to it. I'm not saying this is BS because I know who you are. And uh, But hit that price tag quick, that six-month thing. And so that's the beautiful thing with it uh, because it's actually with – there's this huge umbrella, which is Youth with a Mission. But each and every base, we call them, which there's over – a thousand of them around the world, they all have their unique things that are all umbrellaed under youth with a mission. And so each school usually is a different price. I would say that it's around, um, depending on what nations it, it's in, it's around $2,000 for the lecture phase for six months or for the three months before you actually go overseas. And then it's usually around three to $5,000 for the, the two month where usually that, uh, pays for your plane ticket to get over and then all your accommodation and your food while you're in that other nation and so with it um, it depends on the basis so in total it's around it can vary from like seven to probably twelve thousand dollars for the whole entire six months but with all the food that you're getting paid for in the accommodation it actually kind of equals out to what a far a lot less than what it would be to live on your own for six months yeah i mean that's not bad at all especially how good does this sound on a resume? How good? I mean, you said college credits too. You get people are going to take these. Your your world experience. That's not as bad as that was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, actually, and I really like that you just said that, Nick, about world experience. Um, you know, a lot of people they go to college, they get you know a 4.0, 3.5. That's great and all, and I encourage everyone to get the best grades that they can possibly get. But you have to get involved, and experience matters. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people in this world who have. Uh, some of the most premier uh, positions in, in jobs or in their careers, they have a lot of experience. They don't just have a bachelor degree and a master's. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to separate yourself from the pack. Uh, but I do want to get to something here. Um, even though money talks, uh, we're going to talk about happiness for a second, okay? Because a lot of these places where you go uh, to these third world countries or, you know, just to other countries in general that, you know, are developing countries, you know, that aren't necessarily as fortunate as, as us here in America, um, even though they may not have as much money and you're teaching them how to love, right? That's, that's, a, that's one of your things like Jesus wants them to love. Aren't they kind of probably teaching you how to love a little bit more because they have less, but they might be a little happier, like amongst their people. Pulling out that heme, I think that's an excellent point. And I think even that's probably one of the biggest things that people often learn through um, Youth with a Mission and through Mission specifically, because so often people go into it with the mindset of, oh, these people are broken, they're poor, I need to help them. And they go into this mindset of almost having pity, but they get to these nations and they probably learn more from these people than the people actually learn from them. Um, and like I, I can I can vouch for that in so many different ways and all my different travels and experiences that I've had that I've always learned so much from the people that I'm around. And it's this aspect of although they know love and although I've experienced love as well, um, being able to continue to be teachable and learn from each other um, and even easier ways to do different things. And so I completely agree 
that in that like man like they are like happy but they do have these um very natural and real struggles and having people that are coming that help with that continue to aid into their happiness and allow them to actually find it themselves as well hmm sounds like a word uh perception bold mm. perceptions baby it's all about that perception and it's cool you see it firsthand i mean mm. some of these kids got nothing and they find a stick and they're happy forever and that's something everyone's got to hear like you I talk about being here in Denmark, you know, it's a utopia for an American, free healthcare, free education. If you throw any American over here that struggles with those, they're, they're in heaven. But then you got people here that are crying about the littlest things and depressed over it. And there's a bunch of happy pills and they drink a lot. So it's all about that perception. But that's a perfect segue because you say you're talking about what you learned um, to talk about your journey, Paris, and how you went from YZ to RCTC to to being everywhere across the world, you know, changing people's lives. Yeah, for sure, Nick. Um, yeah, and I have a I have a pretty cool story, I guess. It's I guess just been my life. I've had a lot of crazy things happen. I've got to experience really like I've been blessed to experience a lot, even though I've always had a little. Um, I actually come from a broken home. Technically, my dad passed away when I was in eighth grade, um, and so I grew up with a single mom for my whole entire life, basically. And um, like Nick and uh, Nick has pointed to, I went to Wyzetta High School, which in Minnesota, it's one of the biggest high schools in Minnesota and one of the wealthiest high schools in Minnesota as well. And I grew up with a single mom, but I was blessed to be around people that um, that were successful and that knew how to live in this world in a different way. And although I had a lack, I was so fortunate to be around people that had an abundance that um, through relationships and through things, they helped um, even uh, propel me into the different things that I got to do before even stepping into um, what I've gotten to do with YWAM. And um, in my time in YZ, I was a state champion my junior year, lost in the state championship my senior year. Um, got to play football, got to run track, uh, got to do a lot of different things with YZ. And a big part of my story is actually was athletics before um, where I'm at now. And, um, and yeah, that was a big part of my life. And it actually led me to RCTC, which is where I met him and Nick Rooney, um, <laughs> where we actually, I coached both of them and I got to play with them as well. Um, but I was there a few years before they were. And uh, I went into it not with the scholarship, not being recruited as a football player. I actually just went up and desired to prove myself that none of the coaches even knew who I was. Um, but me and one of my best friends from high school, we went all the way down to Rochester, which is like two hours away from where we grew up in Plymouth, Minnesota. And uh, we ended up in Rochester, Minnesota, <laughs> which was a very interesting place for us to end up where we went to school at uh, Rochester, Rochester Community and Technical College. Um, one of the last places I ever expected myself to end up, but I, my first year, I ended up just going there for school. And in the spring of my first year, I was in the weight room and the football coaches saw me, recognized uh, my YZ logo and came up to me and asked me to come and join them in the spring and uh, <laughs> recruited me to play on their team, even though I didn't have a highlight film, even though um, they didn't even really know if I was good or not at football. They took a leap of faith and kind of um, yeah, invited me to at least have a trial with the team. Um, in my first spring, uh, I did, I guess, pretty well. And I was on track to actually be um, one of the captains on the team as a freshman. Um, but right before the season started, I ended up actually separating my shoulder. And after I separated my shoulder, I went into a really deep depression. And water to me was basically beer. And I just started drinking like crazy. And I started this really 
being in a place of emptiness in my life um, where I just was pursuing alcohol, pursuing women, where I was sleeping around with a lot of different women. Um, and it actually led me to a place of getting suspended from school. And uh, what ended up happening is I was actually suspended from school and I was on my way. Like the next day, I was actually going to head back to um, Plymouth, Minnesota, where I was from. And the, the coaches actually approached me and offered me a volunteer coaching position with the team because they're like, man, we don't want to lose you. We care for you and we just really appreciate you. So we're going to uh, let you live in this apartment so you're not going to have to pay a rent and you're going to be a full time volunteer coach. Um, and from there, at the end of that spring of volunteer coaching, they actually offered me a paid coaching position as a 20-year-old uh, kid that had no idea what he was doing in his life, um, which was a huge blessing. And so even a shout-out to Rob Newman and um, Bill Quistor for kind of really just believing in me and trusting in me and um, giving me amazing opportunities as a young 20-year-old and that they've been huge even in um, moving me forward and progressing me at that time um, to kind of put me in a position to really find myself. And they just continued to even fight for me when I was getting suspended from school. When I was, because I was like, they knew that I drank. I'd come in um, to meetings pretty drunk before I was coaching, and they would be like, they would be laughing about it. They would be like totally aware of it. Uh, but they saw something in me, and they're like, "Man, we're not gonna, we're not gonna quit on you, even though you feel like quitting on yourself, and we're gonna fight for you in that." And so that led me to coaching, where I got to coach Nick Rooney and Brahim Cruz, um, which me and him, before I was coaching, me and him uh, got to be pretty good friends for the most part. We we're always around each other, kind of a similar friend group, so we got to know each other. And then um, next minute, I'm I'm coaching, and so was, uh, as a 20 year old, it was a very interesting place to be, as you can imagine from going to leading the charge in uh, partying and drinking and just being stupid to having to be kind of responsible over a bunch of people that you were just partying with your whole, your whole entire year. Um, and kind of that huge wake up call of how to transition even into what it looks like to be a leader for uh, the position that I had. Yeah. You took on that asshole role because you had to like, separate yourself from a, a player to a coach. I remember that. I think we had a little uh, run in together, but yeah. So you got into coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, you were a douche as a coach. Let me tell you, man. Like, Asshole. I, I was just like, man, like, Paris was my boy. Man, he, how are you not looking out for me? Like, you're the coach now, but I'm your boy, man. Like, but you know what, brother? I respected you still at the end of the day. I still respected you. I might have not liked you all the time. I liked you more than day, though, man. I'll tell you that. And, um, but, you know, I, uh, I still, um, I just understood like where you were coming from, bro. And you know, I, I feel like I had um, a lot of similarities to you in the sense of when I got injured, when I, you remember when I had my shoulder surgery and I wasn't able to play. So I wasn't necessarily coaching, but I was a leader of the defensive line and I wasn't working out. So I was out there on some Paris Burrell type stuff and Rooney, used to hand it to me all the time, like, stop being so negative, uh, always yelling and yada, yada, all these things. And then, um, so I, I feel where you were coming from though, man, because you know what, bro, when you're not the one out there working, all you want, regardless of how it comes off, all you want is what you believe is best for the team and the players, bro. So I just want you to understand like where you were coming from. Yeah, a lot of people have problems like that with the players turning into GAs. Like, they think they got to be this Mr. Tough guy. Like, I'm not your player or your teammate anymore, which the your boys got to accept that. Yo, he's a coach now, so you got to respect him. But it's also the players like, yo, I, I've seen you get hammered with me. You know what I mean? So don't try to play me like I'm some fool. Like, I'm going to give you respect, but 
don't be that a totally different person. I get the coach are telling you to be an asshole and stuff, but I've had a talk with that some of my other GA friends. Like, be yourself, you know, demand respect, but don't be a freaking clown. People see through fake. Yeah, and even going off of that, like I was a 20-year-old boy that, boy, to be honest, I was just a boy, and uh, I've never actually led in my life. And so then transitioning from being, I guess, a natural leader, but never actually seeing myself as a leader and then being in a position of, um, leadership where it was this this aspect where I was actually thinking today before the podcast where I was just looking back and I was like, man, um, I actually learned so much about leadership because of how much I failed as a coach, um, to be completely honest. And it wasn't that I saw it as a failure, but I just saw how I made mistakes as a personal coach because in leadership, it's not just about doing the right things or knowing the direction that you're supposed to go or trying to get people to do it, but it's about cultivating that trust with people to be in relationship together and to do it as family and to do it as brothers. Even though my position is different than yours, we're all a piece of the same puzzle. And so even in that, at that time as a 20 year old stepping into leadership for really the first time, to be honest, it's really propelled me into where I am now because I saw so much of my failures and so much of the the areas where I would look back like, man, he was my boy and I was like overly hard on him um, because I felt like I had to be and that wasn't fair to our relationship. Um, and that it just it just was disrespectful in a lot of ways. And so even with that, I apologize for both of you boys of um, having to go through the growing pains with me. Um, but it was something that has really allowed me to see leadership from a completely different lens because as you guys know, we, we learn from failure um, and we learn from our mistakes when we are teachable and when we, um, when we actually desire to. Um, and so with that, I actually learned su- such a, a lot of great, amazing things from my time coaching and had some really amazing coaches around me with Rob and um, Smiles <laughs> and Coach Q and just all the random people around me, Coach Grapp, who was awesome as well. I mean, I got to pick up and learn a lot of different things from those guys as well. Um, but after my time coaching, I actually went back to playing. Um, so I got to play with Nick, um, whereas I, I really kind of struggled even in playing um, in that time of transitioning of being a coach and being a player. When I was a coach, I was 160 pounds. Um, and when I was a player, I put on like 30, 40 pounds of muscle and was at, sitting at 200 as a wide receiver. And it was uh, it was a very hard place to be because I was getting a lot larger than I needed to be. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna cut you off right there. You did not put on no 30 or 40 pounds of muscle. All right, you might have put 30 to 40 pounds on. You did not put 30 to 40 pounds of muscle on, brother. But you did put on some muscle. I remember Paris. You was getting swole, man. I remember that. But I'm just gonna cut the exaggeration. <laughs> I had to say that. No, I remember that's funny because you know I played quarterback before you're the asshole coach, and then he's my receiver. So the the moods switch, but maybe you just you, you kind of you learn from the the coaching too. We became you know pretty good friends. Really, you're always at the apartment, we're always hanging out. But anyways, you're putting muscle on, you're ready to go into the season. Yeah, and whether he thinks it was thirty pounds or not, I gained weight and I I was looking good, I was looking big. And he can't even he him can't even deny because me and him were working out often throughout those summers, those summer grinds, hitting the weight room almost every day. But in that time though, I gained on 30 pounds and what I was beefy. I was thick for a little slot receiver. And uh in training camp ended up um actually right before training camp pulled my hamstring really, really badly um because my body wasn't actually used to carrying that much weight. Um, because of how fast I put on all the weight I did and pulled my hamstring really badly, 
battled through that as soon as I got back, pulled my other hamstring, like oh, probably like two or three days after being back. And then after that, battled through a lot of different injuries um, in my time playing. And um, yeah, it was just a, uh, it was a good season. The, the result of the season was really good. But for me personally, it was a really hard time. And I'm kind of in that place was just seeing a lot of emptiness in my life and um, just being really faced with a lot of emptiness in a lot of different ways. Um, had a girlfriend at the time who was amazing, but um, just in it, just there was like, I just didn't see purpose in the life that I was living, even purpose in football that I was like all the different things for training and um, pursuing football. I just wasn't seeing the purpose for me. And um, shortly after the season, like I kind of got to this moment. Hold up, Paris. That's it's Juco, man. You guys, if you don't, if you haven't played Juco, you know, you can watch Last Chance You and see it, but there's some dark holes yeah. in junior college. And you got to live one of them, seeing like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Yeah, for sure. Like, that place was like, him can attest because me and him would be, it would just be me, him, and a couple other dudes throughout the summer. And the only thing that we could do was work out and drink. <laughs> like that was honestly, like it was, there's nothing really huge that we could do because we're in a, a pretty um, uneventful town where we couldn't really go explore, couldn't really go adventure, couldn't really do things that are productive. We we're stuck um, with this focus of grinding. Um, and man, it, it was a really dark place. And I, we gotta, we all gotta see a lot of people go to a lot of dark places in that time, unfortunately. Don't, don't get me wrong though. There's a lot of good people in Rochester. Yeah. I met, that's one of my best friends ever from there. So through the dark times, you find light. Man, when I really just, uh, you're bringing back so many memories, man. Um, especially my summertime in Rochester, because it's like, dude, we're at this, uh, we're at RCTC, bro. We're broke. Well, me and you are broke. Nick ain't broke. You know, we're broke out here, man. And, uh, you know, dude, I used to work at Chipotle. I didn't have a car. I'm walking to Chipotle, man. Now, you remember where Chipotle was at from the quarters, bro. I'm walking like 30 to 35 minutes to work four or five times a week. And they're just wrapping burritos, washing dishes, man. And just freaking grinding, bro. I mean, I I'll work like, out. I feel like, yeah, Heem, I'll bring you. Give me your free burrito for the day. So I go take his food. <laughs> what an ass. It's all right, though, you know, oh, but dude, we really didn't have like a lot to do, man. I mean, we work out like once, usually twice a day. We work out, man. We play Madden. I mean, yo, out the summer when it was just me, you, Henry and Garrett, bro, that was like a very, uh, a very, I'll never forget it. You know what I mean? I mean, I used to walk into the crib. Paris will have his little chef apron on in the kitchen just making fajitas. He's like, yeah, I'm going to cook for you guys as long as you clean all the dishes. <laughs> and uh, dude, we just used to smash in there, bro. And um, we'll just be in there playing Madden all freaking day. And then Spencer came along. And then, um, you know, things started to shake. Uh, hold on. I had a great transition. I wanted to finish this. And I said, there's some dark holes, but you find uh, light. And it sounds like you found light. So... Yeah, for sure. Um, and <laughs> yeah, he, you are bringing up back a lot of memories. Uh, but in that time, like I did get to make a lot of amazing relationships, but there was still this this hole, this emptiness that I was just kind of looking for. Um, and a buddy of mine, my first roommate in college, actually, his name's Connor. Um, he went to Brisbane, Australia to do this YWAM thing, this DTS thing that I had no idea what what it was but when he left to go to Australia my freshman year of college 
he was the most uh, inappropriate, immature, just childish pe person I ever really knew. I loved him. He was hilarious, but he just was really, really childish. And he left and came back six months later like a man. And I just, like, I remember the first day that I saw him and I was like, bro, like, like you're a man. Like, what the heck happened to you? Um, and he tried to explain his experience, but so much growth happens in that time. Um, he couldn't really articulate it. And, and I left the conversation actually not really knowing anything about YWAM. Um, but he was like, you should, you should do this. Um, and three years actually passed from when he first did it, which he ended up going back to Brisbane, Australia for another, I think, three or four years doing a lot of different things within the organization. Um, but three years after he first entered into it, I, um, he reached out to me and was like, bro, like, do it. Like, you should do this. And I had no idea what it really stood for, what it meant, but I just came to this this understanding in my life that I was like, man, I just feel like a little boy and I want to become a man. And I don't know what this thing is. I don't know um, what it actually leads to, but I'm in a place in my life where I know that uh, if there if there's something that can happen, like I need to go and grab for it. And I just had this this huge emptiness in my heart that I just try to fill with, with sleeping around or with drinking or with all these different things. And um, and I was like, man, if I feel like if this, the, the, it can't be filled. Every time I try to fill it, it's filled for like a moment. Um, but I just, I need whatever this hole is shaped for. I need it to be filled. And for myself, I just came to the conclusion that if God was real, that this hole that I was experiencing was Him and uh, a hole that He wanted to fill. And so I was like, man, God, like if you are real, like. I will give you the rest of my life, dude. Like I will like wherever you want me to go, I'll go whatever you want me to do. Like I completely surrender and God, if you're a real man, like I, I want you and I like, I will do whatever it takes. And so this YOM thing presented itself, which going into it, I, I applied for my DTS the day that the school started. When you're doing this, uh, this God thing, was this before or after opportunity? Cause that's crazy. If you reach out to God and then the opportunity came. It was right before. And the way that it actually happened is like, to be honest, like even when I explain it, it's hard for people to understand because of how crazy it was, um, because everything just fell into place in a way that at first I was like, this is just coincidence. But when you look back, it's like there's no other way but to explain it as something divine. And with it, I was in RCTC and it was the end. It was February, actually. And I ended up, my school started February 17th. And after Valentine's Day, which I broke up with my girlfriend on the night of Valentine's Day, went out with B-Mills and, and bung them, went to the bars and just got smashed, took a girl home. Um, after I broke up with my girlfriend, I broke up with my girlfriend either during or after it happened and ended up coming home after that night, dude. And I just was like, I sat in my bed at seven in the morning without sleeping. I was like, man, my life is empty. And I came to this place where I was like, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be in a darkness that I can't get out of or I'm probably going to die, which it's probably been a, a miracle already that I haven't died because we had endless nights of where I would be somewhere in the middle of winter and I'd be hammered drunk and I just would walk home. I just would wander off and disappear and somehow would end up back at my place. And just all these crazy encounters that I had that for some reason, I just like I, if I kept living that, dude, I just knew that it was like it was not going to end well. But with that, I that night on, I uh, believe it was February 14th, 15th, February 14th or 15th, that's what I, I just said that out loud, and then nothing happened. Then that day, later that day, my buddy reached out to me. Wait, what'd you say? What'd you say out loud? What you just said? The whole emptiness? Yeah, dude, if, you, like, if you're real, I want oh. you. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, man, I surrender. 
And that day, my buddy posted about YWAM, and uh, it ended up being half off the, the discipleship training school that I was doing in um, Brisbane, which this never happens. It ended up being half the price that it normally is. And so I was like, okay, I know that he posted this for me. And I was like, whatever, coincidence. After that, he tagged me in it. And finally, the day that the school started, I was like, I'll give this a go, man. Like, I have nothing else to lose. And so I started the process of being a part of this organization that I didn't really know what it was the day that the school started. So I ended up going 10 days late, which after the first week, I was um, I just left and went home. And which on my time of going home, as I'm leaving Rochester, I get a text from Nick Rooney telling me that one of our buddies, Sam Baker, dies and committed suicide. And so as I'm leaving Rochester, this is something that I'm faced with, which he was a, a good buddy of ours. Yeah, I remember that. That was deep. That was deep, man. That was, he was a, such a good kid. That, God. He, yeah. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. And he was a buddy of ours. And like he just was searching for something. But uh, man, I, I, just, I just wasn't really able to help him the way that looking back now that I really could have of just being able to support him in his time. But he ended up committing suicide as I'm leaving Rochester. I go home and I don't have a passport, don't really have any money, um, and I have a week to get to Australia, which when if anyone's done a, a passport process, man, it takes a long time. Um, usually it takes a, could take a couple months or a couple weeks at the minimum. Um, and I, I went into the office on Tuesday and went in and got my passport expedited, and they said it'll be done tomorrow, but you can come in on Thursday and pick it up so you can leave on Friday. And so I, I got my passport. Normally, it's around $500 when you get it expedited. I got it for $198.40, which in itself was just mind-blowing. And after that, I went and applied for my, my visa for, uh, Roch, or for uh, Australia, got it in 30 seconds, just got a three-month ETA visa. And that Friday, I just got on a plane and left. And I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what was going to happen. But I was like, whatever happens, man, I just, I just want to be willing. I want to be teachable. That I, I'm, I hit rock bottom, and I cannot keep living that life. So there's nothing else to go back to, man. And so I just kind of left it all and just went on on a whim and um, was just seeking after finding something, man. And I, I found myself, and I found God, and I encountered God in a, in a completely new way. And I got to be a part of this organization for the first six months where um, in the organization you do a lot of self-healing um, where I, I healed so much that I actually, like I couldn't comprehend it. And um, I, to be honest, I probably felt, I felt pretty crazy at times because when I would try to explain it to people or when I would try to articulate it, so much had happened internally with like getting over my dad's death, getting over all these different lies and hurts that I've experienced my whole entire life getting over and receiving healing in a lot of these different ways and really being able to see myself through um, a clearer lens. Like I, it just was, it was so hard to uh, ex explain that growth because it was like so much happened in such a short period of time. And I remember even like trying to articulate it to people and it's like that awkward team that just grew like 10 inches and they're like all gangly and they're trying to walk falling down and they like, they're just like, they hit this awkward growth spurt. And so they just, they don't really have that, um, natural control over their body. And so even in my first six months, so much happened, but I didn't understand how to actually demonstrate that to people or try to try to like articulate it because it was so fresh and so new. And I ended up spending the school or the six months in, uh, um, in YOM Brisbane, which I was there for three months. 
And then after doing the, the lecture phase, it's called, where you um, go through these, uh, these teachings each week um, and you do, uh, you do teachings during the week and then on the weekends you do different uh, service projects where you can, um, where we, I was a part of a sports school, sport focused or emphasized school. And on the weekends we would go to rugby games with this organization called Red Frogs, um, which we would stand outside of the, the stadium with these little candies and water and give them to drunk people to kind of sober them up before they go into the stadium and just trying to be aware of people being taking advantage of, of like like women being taken advantage of and just kind of having a, a mindful eye and we got to partner with them and got to go into a bunch of rugby games and do a lot of different things with um, within the school and then we went on this phase called the outreach phase where you get to actually you learn all these skills and then you actually practically go and apply them where I ended up going to Detroit Michigan um, and I was there for almost two months where I got to do a lot of just different things, got to work with a lot of youth where we would go outside of these abandoned neighborhoods and just pull up a basketball hoop and just play with a bunch of the kids out um, with all around us is just abandoned buildings, abandoned houses. And we would go, um, before I left, we got a partner with this organization called hey, Life. Time out, time out, time out. You can't hoop. You're not that good at hooping. You probably got your ass beat. Compared to the, the two-foot kids, I was doing pretty good, man. I was dunking on them, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and we got to do this, um, this, this thing that they're doing in Detroit. It's called Life Remodeled, where they focus on a part of Detroit because they're trying to bring life to Detroit and trying to um, bring a lot of um, restoration because there's so much brokenness, um, more so with the abandoned buildings in Detroit. And so they're trying to revamp it and make it a safe place for kids and a safe place for the neighborhoods to stop um, just all the, the drugs and all the gang violence and all the homelessness. And so they um, focus on an area and they um, do a lot of different things like rebuilding school or renovating schools or um, what we got to do, we got to be a part of. It was a like a lot of like yard work type stuff where we would go to these abandoned buildings that have been abandoned for years and we would cut down these shrubs, cut down these trees, mow the lawns and board up the windows so people couldn't get into these houses to do drugs or to sell drugs or to, to prey on people that are walking on the sidewalk. Um, and that, to be honest, was a, a really real um, experience for me because we were staying on eight and a half mile um, <laughs> at like for, for six weeks in Detroit. Um, where on the 4th of July, um, we would sit there in our beds before, for be before bed and we would try to recognize if it was a firework or if it was a gunshot. <laughs> um, and it was just a really real place, but it was a really amazing place, which when you look at it as an American, you see Detroit as like the murder capital of the world. But Detroit is beautiful, man. The art there, the people there are amazing. And so we got to go and be a part of Detroit. And we got received as family in these communities where people just would be so loving and so genuine and they would have nothing we would be working with these kids and um just like hanging out with these kids and just trying to be a, like a, a role model for these kids and kids would come in and regularly be like yeah my brother got shot today or my brother got shot last week or my dad's dead my dad's in prison and they just would come completely numb because of these things that they're experiencing and we got to be a part of just uh, with YYM Metro Detroit and just being able to be available for specifically these kids and just living life with them and hanging out with them and and being an ear for them to to talk to and listen to. Yeah, fair as well. Um, I didn't know that story. That, that's powerful. I know you could probably talk for days on these adventures. Want to limit this to an hour, but I'm gonna. There's no way people aren't gonna try to come your way, you know, after this and hear more. 
and go on these uh, these journeys and get a part of this. I mean, shit, if I didn't play sports, I would have loved to do something like this. Take the take the jump. But you know, as we kind of wrap this uh, this piece up, you know, I want to hear Heem your kind of final thoughts. But Paris, also these life lessons, what you've learned from all this, um, something that the listeners can can take and run with it. Big one. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is, is be genuine. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of this world, like a lot of the problems in this world would be shifted and changed by if we were just genuinely cared about each other. And he mentioned the time when in the summer when it was me, him and a couple of our buddies, and it was this little family away from home, but we just genuinely cared about each other. And even in a dark place where we were at a dark place, because we had that family and we had that community and we had genuine care for each other, like it made things not as difficult, not as challenging. And so just for anyone that's listening, um, like one, be genuine and surround yourself with people that are genuine, that really care for you and care about you um, and that you can actually um, be in relationship and be in communion with and fellowship with to actually move forward um, to be what you know that you're created to be in um, and to live not just for yourself, but to actually know that there's so many people around you that even the smallest thing as a hi or a hello or a hug or just even reaching out in a dark time, how much that could mean to someone. And so just be genuine with people and actually just care about those that are around you. Man, I'm honestly... um... I'm almost lost for words, right? And I don't want to go on a really long tangent here Blown because away. This, away. this is something that uh, not only are you bringing back so many memories for myself and like memories that we shared experiences, but also uh, dark times in my life. Um, Paris, this is a lot of stuff I didn't know about you, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm also not surprised. And I think a lot of people, you know, just my opinion, who you know, drink a lot and, you know, indulge into these, like, these drugs, these highs, because uh, I've been one of those people before, man, uh, it's actually to fill a void, you know what I mean? Um, I just think about it, man, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to brag, but I have been with a lot of women, bro. I've been with a lot, and to be quite honest, I don't know if it ever meant anything at the time, like, to be, like, quite frank. I don't know if it ever really meant anything. Like, did it feel good for the moment? Yeah, but, like, I've never really felt that connection for real. And even some of the ones that I could think of that I thought I felt that connection, like I'm not even sure if I really felt that connection. But the reason why I didn't feel that connection is because where I was at mentally, where I was at inside, you know what I'm saying? And I think God works in his own mysterious ways, brother. Now, by no means am I um, Muslim or Christian, but I do believe in God, absolutely. And um, the way I kind of believe in God is that he's much bigger. I can't even understand, um, you know, who he really is, but I know that he exists because he's constantly working again in his own mysterious ways. I'm, I'm gonna let you go here right quick. Go ahead. Just one more thing, even going off of that, um, with wherever any any of the listeners are at with faith or with religion or with anything, um, one thing I can guarantee, and I know that there's a lot of people that are seeking after something, um, but even in the Bible, the Lord says that if you seek after me, you will find me that he's not hiding himself, that he's not withholding himself from you. But if you, with a genuine heart, seek after him, um, with whatever you believe, with whatever your background is, with wherever you're at, man, like you will find him. More so to find you. <laughs> yeah, and you did, Paris. And, uh, man, I want to go to Prague, but I've seen it. So 
I kind of want to see some other cities. You got to come to Copenhagen. We have some more talks. I'm totally, totally, it was, it was awesome, man. That was deep. You're a different person. It's good to catch up. We haven't seen each other, talked to each other for a long time. And, Heem, you got some final thoughts? Yeah, man. One, I just want to congratulate you, brother, on your growth because that's what it's really all about. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if, if you were aware of this. I know I haven't made it known to the whole entire public. I never made like a post about it, man. But I'm going on four months sober here myself, brother, and um, sober from everything. And it was a message from God. God put people in my life to wake me up. And I had to look in the mirror and he made me reflect, bro. And I just want to ask both of you a question or just kind of put something into perspective for you. Remember when we were just children, man, and we were just innocent and we wanted to help one another. Like you wanted to hold the door open for people. You wanted to help your mom and dad out. You wanted to sit in the living room with your parents. Like you didn't even care about like, you know, going out and hanging out with your friends. You wanted to talk to your mom and dad about all these things and just share your day and how everything went. You weren't worried about no party. You weren't worried about getting on these girls. If you wanted to go hang out with your friends, you wanted to go do things that were fun, you know? And for me, what was fun when I was younger, it was playing ball, it was playing ding dong ditch. It was doing like a lot of these things, truth or dare, hide and seek, whatever. But it was um, it was all fun fulfilled. And I'm, ta I'm taking this back to when I was like eight to like 11 years old, right? Um, and then when I really just like reflect, even my freshman year of high school and most of my sophomore year, I, you know, I was so against drinking and smoking and all those things, man. But I ended up getting caught up in the hype. You know what I'm saying? I ended up doing what most teenagers do and they start trying to fit in and be cool. And I found myself, you know, drinking, smoking, doing all these things. And when I really reflect on it or at this time where I felt like God was just like talking to me, man, it's like, yo, you used to have this. Um, I used to have like a purity about me, I believe. You know what I mean? I feel like I used to look at the world different. I feel like I used to look at women different, my homies different, my family different, myself different. I feel like everything was just much more positive. I believe that I was more genuine at that time. And then when I started getting into all of these fixes, what I like to call them, you know, I started just seeking this thrill, this constant high, trying to trying to match the first one, trying to match, man, I remember I had such a great time a few weeks ago, man, at the bar, let's go back again and do it again, you know, and all these things, man, but it was really because I wasn't, I wasn't happy inside, you know what I'm saying, and, and I realized that, if, you know, I, I have a purpose on this earth, you know, I mean, I've been through a lot, and it's not about my story right now, but I've been through a lot, and I believe that God placed me here to show others, you know, the way, the light, to, to be that breakthrough for others, you know, so, um, you know, I've decided to make the decision that I'm, I'm sober for life, brother. And, and right now I feel better than I have ever felt before. And to be quite honest, I can't wait until how I feel a year or two years from now when I'm still. Hey, that's exact. on record. Oh, shit. That's on record for life. Yeah. And I going off that team, like, I just really want to congratulate you as well. And even all the different things that you've done. And even that statement that you just made, because that is um, that's huge, man. And even going. Um, with however long you've been sober, man, like, I just want to, like, tip my hat to you, man, because that is amazing. That's awesome. And, like, for myself, I've been sober for three and a half years now um, from drinking, from just all these different things. And, um, like, even to attest to what he was saying, man, I've never been happier. And it's a combination of different things where, um, like, I was trying to find myself in those things, but realistically, it just prevented me from really seeing things clearly. Um, and so even any of the young guys out there in high school, um, like I know in that time that it feels like life and it feels like the most important thing, um, but there's so much more to this life. 
and that high school is literally like a sliver of time, but there's so much more out there for you. All right, I gotta go grab my Bible. You guys make me wanna go read a Bible right now. <laughs> but hey, Paris, thank you so much. Yeah, We're gonna yeah. link all your information so you can get in contact with people that be interested, hear more about your story, super inspirational, and, and appreciate you coming on. And we gotta see each other before I, I, I go back to the States. Sure, and if anyone has anything, any questions, or um, even guys that I've known in RCTs that hear the podcast, if you have any questions, or um, even want to just catch up, just send me a message or follow me on Instagram, Paris.Burrell. Um, Nick will also, I'm sure, put that on something. But uh, man, I'm I'm open to discussion. I'm open not for debate, but I'm like I'm I'm very open-minded, and I'd love to talk with any of you guys that are seeking after something or even just have questions. I'm not here to to Bible bash or anything of that, but to genuinely just care for people. And so, if you guys want to reach out or if you have questions, go for it, man. I'd love it. Hey, brother, just wanted to say, man, that again, extremely proud of you, man. Much love. God bless you, brother. And uh, I'm just looking forward to just be able to witness your journey from here on out. You know what I mean? Like you've come such a far away, but you're not done. You're still growing, man. Still growing, brother. Love you, dog. You guys and awesome to be able to be on the podcast and talk with all you guys. I hope um, even if one person is impacted by this, then man, it's more than enough. And even getting to talk with him and Nick, man, it's just such a privilege and an honor. And um, if you were to say that I'd be on a podcast, being able to share my faith and what I get to do, um, I would never imagine or even never even be in a place of comfortability of being able to share my journey because I am usually a pretty secretive individual because I don't do it to be recognized or um, to kind of brag or whatever, but I just genuinely care. And so I just am so appreciative of this opportunity that you guys have given me and being able to catch up and to see just the amazing things that you guys are doing as well. So thanks, guys, and God bless. Crazy how the universe works. All right, take care, Paris. Yeah, see you guys.